Hello, White Rabbit. With whom are you talking today? Today I'm talking again with Nick, the CASA school guide for the lower elementary and upper elementary gym lessons. In this CASA behind the scenes episode, Nick gives us a feeling for how the DG lessons work and presents the program that he's developing to equip our children with the skills to face the digital world. Enjoy! Welcome back, Digi Wizard. <laughs> nice to be <laughs> back. <laughs> so, are you ready for the practical round on Digi? Of course. The plan is that uh, you know we're going to give the parents and the teachers all the details, the practical details. And I would like to start with where are you bringing the children to do Digi magic stuff? <laughs> I remember people saying that's like the man cave. Um, <laughs> Okay, well, I don't have a man cave uh, because, as most people probably know, the DG is not in the classroom. I mean, there are some laptops in the classrooms, so we are working with some uh, some tooling that we have. Uh, but when we first set up, we chose to do it uh, outside of the classroom as an activity, which, you know, most activities at CASA are, are outside of the classroom, uh, similar to art or outside work. Um, so for the lower elementary, there is a small room that we have right next to Sun. And what I do is when I come in, I push a couple of tables to the side. So I have two sets of tables on each side. I put six laptops on each. So there's 12 laptops available. I put down uh, the stuff that they need to connect themselves. Obviously, the first group is the one always bothered with this. Sometimes I also put out a robot. Uh, it's a small... Let's say a small car with buttons on top. Uh, Nick, you are now focusing on lower elementary? Yes. So in the planning board that they have in the classroom, uh, kids can sign up on different activities, sometimes coached. So a guide will tell them, I really think it's good for you to start with DG today or have outside work or whatever activities there. So then I get 12 kids uh, for one hour from one classroom. That's the setup right now. So it's, this is a small room I set up. Uh, they come in at 8.30 and 11.30, uh, these DG lessons are done. For upper elementary, we are actually lucky enough to have a former gym room right inside of the, <laughs> the school. It's a bigger room. It's really nice and spacious. So I have two tables that I use for DG. And there's also two tables that are used for art where there is more equipment there, like a, a gluing gun, that sort of thing. There are always a couple of children that come in in the morning and help me put out uh, all the laptops okay again i put down uh, extra equipment and when i say extra equipment keep in mind that this is like the adapter so i always tell them to connect the laptop to the power socket even yeah. though it has a battery uh connect a mouse if you want to and connect a headset okay because i don't want uh, 12 different sounds blasting out of all the speakers oh um, yeah uh, and because of the space, I have more opportunity to put down stuff that we can try and, and mess around with. I often put out the Spheros, mini bots, or the drone. I placed it on the table. And just yesterday, I actually placed a, a new thing uh, for them to experiment with. Uh, so these are good rooms. And I think in the new building, I will have a similar setup. Because we, uh, the last I saw, we also had a design where Art and DG will share the space. So, and that makes sense. If you have a good activity room and you have laptops... You can, you know, uh, put them away in a closet safely. Right. uh, And you don't need them to be there on a a set environment or a permanent uh, setup. 
By the way, before you continue, perhaps it's good that we talk about the um, account, the Google account sure, that yeah. the children have. Can you explain us how that works? So they all have a fully working Google account, but I disabled some stuff. Because Google, I think, is a perfect tool set, but obviously they want to collect data. Yeah. So what happens is Google offers you free services, educational services, and the core services will not make a profile. What they don't clearly specify is that, for instance, YouTube or Google Search are not part of these core services. So if you go to these websites and you're logged in with your Casa account, they say we're allowed to collect this data from you. Okay. So I disabled this. So I'm not saying our, our students are not allowed to go to Google Search. I'm just saying when you do, you have to do it anonymously. Yeah. So this is the whole thing that I've set up. So everybody can have an account safely and all the data stays with us. Uh, I also disabled communication outside of our domains. So the kids are not emailing with unknown parties, which is uh, probably also a frustration for some parents. You cannot send back and forth emails from your gmail.com account to a Casa School account oh, if I it's see. a children's account uh, because I just disabled that. to In order to prevent anything happening that we don't have explicit agreements on from the parents because this is a privacy issue yeah uh, so I, this is a prepared environment i could create online indeed um, and they still have all the tools so keep in mind the basic sets like they have email they have a calendar they have a chat uh, they have meet so uh, in the lockdown we could just have video sessions and all these things are part of the core services there's no data collected uh, but they still get to learn and use i would say really common tools So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. By the way, when we had the corona lockdowns, we also had this digital classroom environment. What happened with that? The environment is still there. So what we did is Google offers you a classroom, uh, which is, I would say, almost just a list of materials that children can use. There's some add-ons, obviously, uh, like you can respond to stuff like on a forum. And I can assign teachers, guides, and students. And obviously there's a different role because the one can make materials or even assignments and the other one can just take them yeah. and use them. So we have classrooms for all the sections, uh, toddlers even, uh, children's house, lower elementary, upper elementary. And I have also created the classroom for Digi lower elementary and Digi upper elementary. And the materials from the lockdown are still there. Uh, I don't think they're used much but still sometimes. And for me, because a lot of Digi things still are on the laptop, uh, if they have a computer with an internet connection, they can go into their account, they can check their email, they can go to the classroom and find material. Uh, and they can also do a lot of the Digi lessons there. But yes, these, these things are available. Um, anything I make available online, I will pretty much also make available wherever you are. So it's free to use. Okay, so you also mentioned in the previous episode, if it made it in the cut, I don't remember anymore, but at least we had this conversation about the le Digi Lesson themes, right. which is like the equivalent to the cosmic themes in the classroom, right? Can we True. run through those? Okay, so there's two layers to that. Uh, definitely, I try to do the same thing as Punji. I try to connect the materials that we're offering in Digi to the cosmic themes, for instance, or whatever theme is going on. 
if you want to learn about biology, I will look into DG and biology. What's the combination? What can I offer? What's accessible? Yeah. Because I truly believe that making more connections on the same content makes you remember stuff better, makes it easier to learn, and also gives you the opportunity to find your best way of learning. Uh, but that's one layer. And the other layer is when I was asked by Tessa to uh, write a part about DG in the program. And what are we, what, the development plan? What are we doing at CASA? Uh, I said, well, there, to me, there are, it feels like there are four sections. One is the basic skills. You just have to understand that there's different material. There's a laptop, there's a tablet, and these things are different. And I will help you understand them a little bit, enough to be secure in using them. And this, to put it out there, the biggest issue for DG, I would say, is login and, and you know, getting started. And yeah. especially lower elementary, I really hate that it's this difficult still. Because I have to try and balance understanding security with making it easy to start. So for lower elementary, if a new kid comes in and I have time to really give them attention, I will start explaining a login and an account to them and having them try to type it themselves. Right. Um, uh, and this is actually my second lesson. At Digi, you have to just try it. Don't wait for me, right? Make a mistake. Type the wrong password. I will try to explain to you why uh, something is not working the way you expect it, but keep on trying. If you wait for me, you will spend a lot of time waiting. So go experiment. Thank you for bringing this up because when I was talking to Panji, He's been a coach on mental resilience. Yes. Yeah. And you, again, it's like, yeah, there's all this digital stuff, but there is this other aspect, which is a soft skill, which is daring to try to do things yeah. and getting comfortable with making mistakes. Exactly. And, and, you know, in the end, that skill is more powerful and more important to start with than anything uh, that I can offer in knowledge. Right? I, I completely agree with you. Because... I'm limited in what I can help you with. But if you learn to try stuff yourself, there's no limit. Yeah. So this, this is really important. And, uh, but it's difficult, to be, to be honest. There are many children just wait for me and they say, uh, Master, can you help me? And I'm like, Where's the master? Should we look in the hallway? Because I, I'm not the master. Right. I'm here to help you and I will try my best. Uh, but just go for it. And uh, I'm Nick, right? Just call me by my first name. Right. And I will see if I can help you or ask your neighbor. Yeah. Because many times they're already logged in and they're going for it and they can show you how to do it. And I know from my daughter that uh, the, in lower elementary, perhaps also in upper, they also have typing lessons to, to learn to type right. Yes. So again, this is a free tool we found online and they can log in with a Google account. Uh, it shows a proper way of putting your fingers and your hands on the keyboard. And it will give. It will start you up with uh, just typing a letter, then two letters, etc. It will show the finger to use. Um, but I can really see this uh, taking off. And again, this you can do this at home. It's exactly. just practicing like 15 minutes, and it was really helpful for them to just try it again because typing is like music. It's about muscle memory. So uh, uh, this is a basic skill thing. So let's move into the next theme then. What can you tell me about digital creation? We try to have our students make things digital and, and we're scratching the surface here. We can do a lot more, but so the upper elementary knows how to make a video and they can record it on a machine. They know how to send it to their drive and they uh, can start editing it. We have tooling for that. 
Right. So, but they can do everything with this tool. It's called uh, Filmora Wondershare. So you can download it at home, install it. They can edit movies or podcasts if they like. Right. Uh, so all this tooling is there. But also, if you use Minecraft, there's also digital creation. So we had a couple of exercises with a project that uh, they built Casa. Or they built something to show appreciation for guides. Oh, really? Yes. So creating things, I think, is one of the most powerful things that we have with the internet. And sharing them and getting feedback on them and seeing if uh, people find it valuable or not. And working with that. It's is like crafting, but then in the digital world. It's crafting. This is why the name, the word craft is so popular these right. days. It's not Minecraft for nothing. Right. Um, and, and this digital creation becomes more powerful, I think, I believe, when they realize it's also part of the physical environment. So I'm thinking about seeing if I can get a 3D printer. So they also realize that all this creation can become something physical. Wow. Uh, and I try to find that because, again, this is about associations. What you just learned is not just on the screen. There's more ways that you can use this. Um, and there are so many things happening around you right now. A Tesla is a fully driving computer. Right. Uh, that's a, an example of their automation skills or their uh, computational thinking, which would be another section, uh, being implemented in the real world with, with physical stuff around them. Um, and there's a couple of other things that I'm working on and uh, that will probably be introduced through Upper Elementary uh, to experiment with and then see if we will introduce it into Lower Elementary as well in future. Okay. And, and what about the, the computational thinking that you were just mentioning? Right. Yeah. I, I, many times I think when, when we talk about Digi uh, or 21st century skills, the discussion starts with programming, which to me makes sense. But also to me, it's about logical thinking. Uh, why do you take certain steps? This is actually the first section in uh, the programming that I have available for lower and upper elementary. We use code.org, which is free. And I chose a course there, uh, it's uh, from 2019. I chose that course because it's been translated the most. Oh. So I can choose a newer course, which is fun, uh, but then it's only English. Right. Lots of content will be English. This is just the case. Uh, it's the reality that we work with. Um, well, luckily we're a bilingual school. Exactly. <laughs> it, that really helps. But still, I do lots of children uh, when they take the first steps into this computational thinking. When they start with the physical robot that I told you about with the buttons, this is step one. Or even uh, live programming or living programming, I think would be the better translation. I have cards that they put down uh, and that's the program for the other students. So they program one another. Oh, really? Like uh, shake your head up and down, turn around, that sort of thing. Right. There's a couple of examples that I have on that. Then they have the robot and then they go into the on-screen programming. And right. it, this is really fun. There's a small... Uh, just a second, because I think it, perhaps it's worth to explain this a bit better. So indeed, you can have like a little robot with buttons and, and you can give him instructions to go straight or turn around or right or, right or left. Yes, exactly. That's basic, but this is still just the physical thing. Yes. Whereas, indeed, the next step is that you are going to the computer, you're going to write a script with instructions one after the next. Yes. And nowadays, I think they, they have these blocks. So it's a bit like a puzzle, no? So exactly. So one, one piece of the puzzle is, a, is an instruction, and then you stack them up. Yeah. And then uh, somehow this program that you write with all these instructions, then is being transferred to the, to the robot. Y yes. 
I uh, didn't I didn't uh, talk about that, but yes, we also have that. And then you press play somehow, and then the robot is going to execute the program. Right. All this is available. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in practice, the robot is mostly used for the buttons. So this this first step of learning about sequences. Right. And this uh, making a program and sending it back is mostly done in upper elementary, where we use the Sphero and the drone uh, right. to control them exactly that way. So these, these stacks of uh, programmed code uh, or lines of code, uh, many people know this as Scratch, which is, I think, the most popular term for it. We actually use a Google variant of this. Uh, I think it's called, the stack's called Blockly. It is almost the same. Uh, and this is just what we found available at code.org. Uh, I, I don't think any child will f uh, see the difference, uh, but it works the same way. So it's like a puzzle. They have to create the right puzzle. Uh, they have to understand the ordering of the different lines. And they learn about loops. They learn about variables. They learn about conditionals. And one yeah, of the so, last bits so is uh, functions. Can you explain that for a person that is not familiar with programming? Temperature is a variable. Exactly. And you can measure it and then you know... Oh, yeah, so the temperature is the variable, yeah. and then it can be 20 degrees or 70 degrees, yes, and that's the... Exactly, yeah. yeah. So the value that's in the variable is exactly. what you use. And then you go to the next level, for instance, a condition. So the variable weather, if it's raining outside, put on your coat or take an umbrella. Yeah. And then you have a condition, the if statement. The if statement, yes. And uh, then you talk about functions as well. Yes. They know how to make a program. And they go to the next layer. I, how about I have a program? I use that program in my program. Exactly. So then you get the, like the abstraction layer of using uh, previously built materials. I haven't seen many students uh, fully understanding this. I do have students uh, learning Python, right? Um, which also is available in the same environment. You can learn with the blocks, but there's ways to change it so that you are actually working with Python. So, so yeah, and for the people that don't know this, Python is a programming language. So the children that are, uh, you know, have an attitude for this are getting the real deal when it comes to programming. Yeah. And I think it's a good thing that they can work with the materials they already are familiar with and then change from making this visual code into Python. So mm. they get the same assignments, but they now they have to type sentences that make sense to do the same thing. Yeah. So Nick, would you like to move into the, the other theme? The last one, the last section. Uh, I think we're missing digital citizenship and exactly, media. Exactly, yes. Literacy? Yes. I would say that's probably the toughest one. Uh, how do you behave in a classroom with other students? And then how do we translate this same behavior, this same respect and kindness towards one another if you're online? Why do you call people names when you're online, right? That doesn't right. make sense. You wouldn't do it in the same room. Why are you now doing it online? I know there's an obvious answer to it, but I'm trying to work with the students to understand that you have to think of everything you do online as behavior in a physical same room. Also, everything you post online is publicly available. If you start from that viewpoint, you will be careful about what you're posting. Yeah. And you need to be. And it goes as far as right, right now, this is an actual problem, the fake news issues. So I had lessons with upper elementary f about fake news and they had, they had several items on news and they had to decide whether it was fake or not. Oh, wow. And that, that's too difficult. I, I failed at that. I didn't know. Um, and then I post some links in there that they can try themselves to make a fake video. Uh, it's an AI video uh, thing where you just type a, uh, you type a, a paragraph and the AI person will tell you this paragraph. They will speak out the words. Wow. 
So it looks real. So I made one saying, uh, this is the Ministry of Education. Uh, all Casa kids are free to go home now. <laughs> that, that sort of thing. But it's, uh, it looks pretty real. I would say I, you can still uh, decide that this is fake. You can still see it. But it's, it's really getting there. This is approaching really fast. So fake news is a big problem. So what tooling can we give them? What knowledge can we give them? What skills uh, can we help them with? So they understand that they don't have to believe everything online. And how can you check stuff? Where do you go? How do you verify data? Unfortunately, they have to start understanding these things if they're using internet and if they're working with digital stuff. This is developing in such a rapid speed yeah. that their adult life, they will have to deal with this. It's, it's happening right now. I mean, in the war, this is an issue. Yeah. And this is going to get more complex. I, I don't have a final answer for them. I just want to equip them with the knowledge that they can check stuff. There's not one source of truth if it's on the internet. So at least find different sources right. and think about it. Is it logical? Does it make sense? But this is difficult stuff. I think you covered all the DG lesson themes, right? So how is the collaboration between you and the other guides? In the case of gym, for example, it seemed to be rather minimal, meaning that there is a guide that is bringing the kids to the gym and back. Right. But how is it for you? Under development. So there's definitely uh, lots of room for improvement. Because I don't write down all activities. I don't have individual comments on all the students. Which I do realize we, we need to find a way to get more information about the digi skills that the kids are developing. Uh, how are they doing? What are they confronted with? Uh, what is offered to them? And the way we do it, it's an activity. So the children write their names on the board and they come. Um, lower elementary, sometimes I go to the classrooms and they walk with me. Oftentimes they're already there. So I have to tell the first group to sign off because the second group is already jumping around and they want to go in and start. Um, and I have to remind them to be quiet on the hallways, etc. You know, because they're enthusiastic, which is, I mean, that's good. Uh, but keep in mind, if you're sitting down on a laptop for an hour, I can imagine you want to jump around a bit. So I think to wrap up, yep. I would like to hear from you how the parents and the guides could help out with the DG lessons. Ah, right. There's so many ways, actually. I think the first step to take would be for the guides in the classroom and for the parents at home. Talk to your child about it and see if you can get them to log in and show you the classroom and uh, show what's there or how to do certain things. Because this, it's about repetition and trying it a lot. Uh, you have to keep on doing it and then it will become easier. But you know, also if, if you have any suggestions, I'm happy to receive because it makes sense, especially with these four sections that, are, that we talked about, that we need to add material there. And this is a difficult thing. So I'm not the master. Please help me, uh, give me your suggestion. Tell me how you do these things at home and what you're working with. Yeah. And I'm happy if you're doing other stuff. Tell me about it, I can experiment with it, I can learn about it, and we can see how to improve the digi skills for our students because there's so much that we need to do. Yeah, you, you actually uh, made me think of the Joe Journal, you know, because my daughter is particularly interested in being knowledgeable about what is going on in the world. Mm -hmm. So she loves Joe Journal, but that also sparks a lot of conversation for dinner. Yes. So do, do you also see this valuable? 
No, so definitely. And, and, and in this example, if we know about these things, we can work with it and we can find a way to make it a general discussion. I think actually this is the fourth topic about the citizenship. This is also an example. So if they watch stuff in, on the journal, on, on, on the news, and you discuss this, please let us know because maybe it's a topic that we can address in the classroom. Oh, right, of course, because that will be really the coherent Montessori environment, right? Like Definitely. It's like it is yes. happening at home and then it can be transferred to the classroom via the parents, right? Yeah, yeah. and, and it's, uh, so these connections are really important uh, because I learned, for instance, when I was talking uh, uh, with these classes about the fake news and I asked some students if they had other examples of stuff happening to them about online security. And I was surprised a couple of kids told me they were hacked. Oh, wow. They actually had their accounts on TikTok or on uh, Roblox taken away from them or on Fortnite, another a popular game. Wow. Uh, and I wasn't aware that this was actually a current topic for our students already. Yeah. Of course, you will get hacked at one point in time, meaning uh, somebody else guesses your password or gets into it. But it opened my eyes as well. It's not just a topic for adults. This is happening, our kids are online, and I need to be aware that there's many more things that are already happening uh, that I can help them with, that we can talk about. Like, how do you check somebody's, if, if somebody is who they claim to be? Yeah, we yeah. actually talked about that as well, because there were examples of people that were online, stu our students, uh, that were approached by somebody claiming to be a certain person, and they weren't. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, and here this this is okay. All parents know this. This is the difficulty, right? We we try to have the prepared environment and safe environment. Yes. You cannot protect them from everything, but you can make sure they know that they can talk to you about these things. Yes, exactly. Uh, and I think this is the most difficult for their age and their future, that they have to realize that there will be mistakes, there will be problems they have about online behavior, but if they don't realize they can talk to you with, about this. Yeah. without repercussions, exactly. the problems will become even bigger yes. uh, because we really need to help them. Uh, these are really difficult things and we cannot expect our students to understand everything that's going on or could happen online. Well, Nick, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for your generosity and uh, the enthusiasm. And uh, yeah, I will find an excuse so we can <laughs> have another episode, okay? Sure, <laughs> let's talk. If you are interested in learning more about the materials used for DG lessons, you can find the complete list with links in the show notes. That's where I usually share the episode's description and timestamps. And if you want to take this conversation to the next level, we can organize an online discussion with Nick, so we can dive into hot DG topics that you are concerned with and get our community better equipped to deal with them at home. Just send me an email to casastories at casaschool.nl and tell me what's on your mind. Hasta pronto! Casa